His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And it's the last episode of Pride Month. It is. I hope everyone has been having fun and being safe. Things are kind of weird when it comes to certain LGBTQ plus rights uh, in the country. Um, Things aren't going great right now for trans rights uh, in Missouri, which is where we are. Yeah. Which sucks. And... um, I wish there was more I could do about it other than just, you know, trying to vote those people out of office. But, uh, you know, we love and support our trans siblings. Mm -hmm. So hopefully things work out better in the future. Um, So because of our work schedules and other factors, we don't always get the chance to watch a film when it first comes out. Yep. And so we are revisiting the concept of movies we missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I need to preface that there are going to be some wild opinions. Yes. Uh, so buckle up. <laughs> Indeed. But before that, dun, 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 this week in horror. Yeah. Uh, yeah you, here's the thing. I don't really have a ton of horror news right now. Okay. So instead, I'm going to do my first book review. Cool. So I'm an avid reader. I have always been such. I used to have like two or three books going at a time. Mm -hmm. And I was always able to keep them straight. Now I'm at the point where I have like one, maybe two. Mm. So the book I'm reviewing this week, it's it's horror adjacent. Uh, It's more of a it's a mystery thriller. Okay, that's still horror. Yeah. Uh, so the book is called One of Us is Dead. Mm-hmm. It is by uh, Geneva Rose. She is, I actually discovered her from uh, from from her TikTok. Um, she is um, also known as Drew's wife. Is she the one that uh, has her, has her. Her uh, husband does like reactions to yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To like movies that like everybody's seen, but apparently he hasn't. He hasn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Geneva Rose and Drew. Okay. So, but she is an author. She's written several books. One of Us is Dead is the first one of her books that I've read. Nice. And I really enjoyed it. So let me give you a little bit of information about this book. So, like I said, it's a mystery thriller. It takes place in the fictional suburb of Buckhead, Georgia. Okay. It's this, like, wealthy suburb of Atlanta where, like, it's just all these rich and powerful people. I have heard this book sometimes described as like real housewives meets like fried green tomatoes. Okay. But like more murder mystery. Okay. So murder mystery. Right. Well, <laughs> well, well, there is a murder mystery in fried green tomatoes. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so Jenny is the owner of Glow Beauty Bar, which is this high end salon in Buckhead. Okay. And at the beginning of the story, it kind of bounces between timelines. So we get the chapters with Jenny where she is in a police interview room being questioned about the events leading up to the murder of one of her clients. So her clients include uh, Shannon, who is a recently divorced woman. Uh, her husband is a politician and left her for Crystal, who is this 20 something waitress that he met on a business trip in Texas. And then we have Karen, who is a real estate agent. She's also the only character uh, with a child. And she's married to a successful plastic surgeon, but there's like something missing in her life. And she just doesn't quite know what it is. And then we have Olivia. Mm -hmm. And she is just like the queen bitch who rules the roost and has to have everything her way. And I mean everything. And so you've got Shannon doesn't like Crystal because Crystal's the new wife. And... Olivia hates Shannon over this perceived slight from years ago and is kind of using this recent divorce to change up things in the Buckhead social order. And then Crystal's just trying to find her feet in this new town and keep every keep everybody happy, essentially. Hmm. 
And there's a lot of like cattiness and, and backstabbing and stuff. And a lot of it centers around, um, around the salon. And most women will know, but, and I'm sure you even know that like your hairstylist kind of becomes your confessor in a way. Like you, you will tell your hairstylist or like most women will tell your, their hairstylist things that they wouldn't tell most people just because you're stuck in this chair, you know, with nothing but time on your hands because you're having like your hair done or whatever. Yeah. I tell my hairstylist nothing. Well, yeah, but the, you're a guy also. Well, and it's because it's the same person that does your hair. Oh. Therefore, huh. I okay. can't say anything. Uh, so you basically, you know that one of these ladies will end up dead, but you don't know which one and you don't know who did it. Okay. So it's like waking up. What? Someone's going to die and you don't know who did it. Re- precisely. Um, <laughs> so this is not the type of book I normally read. My mom is more into like mystery thriller stuff. Mm-hmm. I tend to be more like sci-fi fantasy, but... I gave this a try, and like I said, I've, I've often seen it described as Real Housewives meets Fried Green Tomatoes, or like an adult Southern version of Mean Girls, but with murder. But I really enjoy Geneva's writing style, and her characters feel like real people. I think most women have had a friend like Olivia at some point, that person who's nice to your face, but talks shit about you behind your back and hopes that you fail. Because your failure is more amusing to them than your success. I feel like we could broaden that to just most people have had a had a friend or have a friend and they may or may not be aware of it. Yeah, just that toxic friend who mm-hmm. is just like super manipulative. And but um, I have a couple quotes. They're from the very beginning of the book. So if that's OK, I'm going to I'm going to read these. Sure. And these are both quotes from Jenny. And this kind of these two quotes, I feel like perfectly summarize the kind of feeling you're going to get reading this book. I spent thousands of hours working on these women. I've primped, waxed, cut, painted, spray tanned, powdered, and massaged them. I know almost in every inch of their bodies, but I also know their demons, their deepest, darkest secrets, the things we try to bury beneath the surface so as not to show the world the doppelganger lurking within us. So am I surprised something like this happened? Not even in the slightest. I figured it would. It was just a matter of time. And then, um... This detective that is questioning her asks her, like, you've known these women for three years and you're not surprised that any of this happened. And she says, no, don't let them fool you, detective. Individually, they're genuine and they can be kind. But when you put them in a room together, these women are downright toxic. Cue the Britney Spears track. Yes. So I uh, I actually gave that if you if you're on Goodreads, I um I gave that book five stars, which is the highest you can give it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And I think most people from what I've seen, you if this is a book, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. One of Us is Dead by Geneva Rose. Nice. Uh, and Geneva is spelt with a J. It's a J-E-N-E-V-A. Okay. If anybody wants to look for it. So it's like spelling Genova from Final Fantasy without the O. Sure. There you go. All right, so that is all I have for uh, this week in horror. I'll probably do more book reviews in the future if there's a a week where we're particularly dry on news. Sure, sure. All right, so let's get into discussing the films. Yes. Uh, the first movie that we watched was 2022's Skinamarink. Mm-hmm. And normally when we talk about a film, we go in depth and there's an understanding that there will be spoilers. We are not going to do that with this film. Nope. Because this is one of those films where you need to know as little as possible going in, mm-hmm. or it ruins the experience. Like, don't go watch a trailer for it, just go. The, even the trailer is confusing as hell. Well, you will I- learn nothing from the trailer. So it is an experimental horror film. And, and when I say experimental, I mean, like, experimental. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you prefer your movies to be to have, like, a straightforward narrative and, like, really nice HD camera techniques, you may not enjoy this film. That's just, it's it's not a filming style that's for everyone. The the pitch I used with uh, two of my coworkers was uh, go into it understanding it's not going to be like any film you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Don't go in expecting something to completely wow you. Just go there to experience. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. You can do it. Right. Uh, so the 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 basic brass tacks summary I can give for the plot. Is that these these two children, it's a, a little boy and his older sister. Yes. They're four and six. And they wake up in the middle of the night to discover that their dad is missing. 
and that all of the windows and the exterior doors are gone. Yep. So they are trapped in their house. Uh, it, it was directed and written by Kyle Edward Ball. Kevin is played by Lucas Paul. Mm-hmm. Dolly Rose Tetralt is Kaylee. Ross Paul is dad. And Jamie Hill is mom. So this movie, um, it kind of takes a minute. Uh, although I feel like, okay, I really just kind of want to talk about how this movie makes me feel. Okay. I do think that that people need to should see this. If you are a horror fan, I think everyone should should give it a shot. Again, it's an hour and a half. It's not going to be a ton of your time. Um, you are going to squirm periodically going, what is this? I found this movie to be extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. The amount of tension that built up in me over the course of watching this film was so intense that when we were done, the muscles in my shoulders and my neck legitimately ached from like holding that tension. Um, I, I seriously had like an emotional support blanket. Mm-hmm. I have this big purple, um, like it's Sherpa on one side and it's got down in it. It's a purple blanket. My mom got it for me for Christmas one year. And, but like, it's a big, squishy, soft, warm blanket. And I just had it like balled up and was just like hugging it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes had it like pulled up. I never pulled it up over my eyes, but I did sometimes have it like pulled up to my nose and was just like, oh my God, what is going on? I don't understand this. And I just felt so, I've been the older sister. Um, you know, I, I have, I have one sibling. I have one younger sister and the age difference between us is the same age difference between Kyle and, or, um, Kevin and Kaylee. Kevin and Kaylee. So. I put myself in the shoes of how I would have felt at that age if we had just woken up and were completely and totally alone. And it makes this movie, I feel like it makes you feel like a kid again Mm -hmm. because you are just as confused as the children. Yeah. And occasionally something will happen. You'll be and you'll just be like, no, no, I don't like that. I don't like what's happening. It will make you scared of the dark again. This is the first movie I've seen in a while that I've shouted at the screen more than I can count. Like, I lost count of how many times I was like, no, 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 no. no." Uh, This film legitimately, not only did it give me frights and scares, Mm -hmm. at the end of it, I felt like I had been through something. Yeah. But not in a negative way, just like I had been through something. Yeah. Like, I leveled up an experience or something. I don't know. But... The biggest requirement is give it time. Yeah, this is definitely one where, you know, turn off, uh, turn off the lights, put your phone down. Yeah, you can't be flipping your phone. Like, it won't. You can't even have like a snack. Maybe. Like, you have to, uh, my eyes were glued to the screen the whole time because I was sure, I was sure it was going to be a paranormal activity situation where if I looked away for a second, I was going to miss something important. Fair. Does that make sense? Fair enough, yeah. Just the littlest things in this movie will 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 scare you. Mm-hmm. Normal things from your childhood will start looking sinister. Mm-hmm. It's a hoot. It is. It's such. It's it's really good. Again, I feel like it's not for everyone. That's not a gatekeepy thing. It's just some people will no, not have the patience for it. No, no, and, no. and that's fine. Like this is not a movie. Um, the 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 way it's shot. Um, you never you never really see characters' faces. It's a lot of shots of like the floor and the walls and, and the ceilings and like the TV playing cartoons, TV playing cartoons. And it's very, some things seem to be from like the kids POV, mm-hmm. but it's all very like, like late eighties, early nineties camcorder where it's kind of grainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and some people might not like Maybe that, that might irritate your eyes or give you a headache or something. I, I don't know. There's some stuff where, like, it can be tr- it, not triggering, but you know what I mean. I mean, I, I see where that, that could happen. And you know what? I say go into it. I mean, we, we had to pause briefly because I invariably drank too much coffee and had to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were only, like, ten minutes in. We were half an hour in. Yeah. So, I mean, 
even if you and that whole half hour apparently i was sitting there going what is this what's going on like in in my head i wasn't just being an annoying rambler but and that's to say if you're a rambler it's not it's not annoying i just meant i didn't want to annoy tia so yeah it's good yeah um i don't know it seems like we're being vague but we're we're being intentionally vague <laughs> cuz i knew I had seen like one trailer going into this movie and I still couldn't have told you anything about it. I was like, I don't know. It's kids in a, it's kids in a house. Um, Ooh, I thought of a scene I can actually share really short, really brief. It spoils nothing. Okay. And there's a really sweet moment um, between Kevin and Kaylee where uh, one brought the other juice box and they said, I brought you a juice box. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's really it's sweet. It's so cute, yeah. And the thing is, I identified before anything was said that that was a juice box, because I've seen the bottom of a juice box before. Yeah. And so it was like instant, again. The, the hit, way it's folded and... Little, little hints of nostalgia and like the printing on the bottom, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I see what's going on. Yeah. But it was just kind of sweet. It's like, you know, in case you get thirsty, here's your joint. <laughs> One of the ways that I have, uh, when I've looked at other reviews for this film, I've seen it described as... If David Lynch tried to do a haunted house film. Mm, not nearly enough fire or saxophone. Well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah no, I get it. I've seen Lost Highway twice. Lost Highway? Yeah. Never seen it. I think I can... I I don't... Have I seen any David Lynch films? Uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Twin I've never Peaks. seen that. Hang on. No. I've never seen any David Lynch films. Fair enough. I've actually seen more stuff with David Lynch as a voice actor than I have actual David Lynch films. Wild. Well, because he's he's the voice of Gus the bartender on the Cleveland show. Oh. Which is why Gus the bartender on the Cleveland show also looks like David Lynch. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I never pieced that together. Yeah. Best thing I saw about it was your patience will be rewarded. Yeah. You, you just have to stay if with If you're a it. horror fan. If, if, if you're like, no, I don't do horror, pass it. Yeah, like this is not a movie I would recommend to my parents. No. Granted, most of the movies we watch are not movies I would recommend to my parents, <laughs> but because um, neither of them is really like huge fans of horror. Yeah. Um, but there are some that I'm like, you should at least see this because, you know, of the story that it tells and blah, 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 blah. This is not one that they would have. Like, I know it would have just bugged my mom. Mm. So I don't really have anything else to say about this movie that isn't going into too much detail. It's good. It is stressful. It is tension to the nth degree. Which is wild because you're like, tension, and then you go watch it and go, where's the tension? Don't worry. Just give it a second. It's there. Just give it a minute. Give it a minute. Um, <laughs> it's creeper tension. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give my review. I gave this five skulls. When I uh, gave it my initial letterboxed review, I'm pretty sure in all caps I put, what the hell did I just watch? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, this movie, it stressed me out. The tension was so intense that when it was over, I had like legitimate muscle aches. It will, it will scare you if you give it your time and your full attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't put this on and then like do laundry or something. You, no. You, you don't. Just no. don't. We waste your time. What, what's your review? I also went five skulls, um, predominantly for how brave it is to do what they did yeah uh not not just in the cinematography um i mean the the acting the themes the the general vibe the feel you know what it actually kind of reminds me of what uh some of those um like horror games where like it things seem relatively innocuous but the more you dig at it the more you start looking around the more sinister everything becomes and by the end of it you're like why the hell did I even drive here? Why did I walk into this house? You know? Right, right. Um, in all the best ways possible. I can see that. Cool. And again, yeah, we haven't said much about this movie, but that was on purpose. Yeah. Also, we have significantly more to say about the other movie. Or this- at least I do. Okay. <laughs> so the second movie we watched is 2023's Megan. This is that film that everybody knows about even people who don't watch horror movies know about megan the marketing was excellent excellent well Well, well, okay the marketing got maximum reach it did it did what it's supposed to do and it reached as many people as possible and it got butts and seats uh and i will get into my feelings on that shortly 
So the plot of the film is uh, a child-sized AI doll develops self-awareness and becomes hostile towards anyone who tries to get between her and her human companion, eight-year-old Katie. Uh, So it's directed by Gerard Johnstone, screenplay by Akilah Cooper. The cast, we have Allison Williams as Gemma, Violet McGraw as Katie. Amy Donald is the physical form of Megan. Jenna Davis is the voice of Megan. Brian Jordan Alvarez is Cole. Jen Van Epps is Tess. Ronnie Ching is David. Stefan Garnal Montan is Kurt. And then Laurie Dungy is Celia. Yeah, just about blew a gasket when I saw Ronnie Ching from The Daily Show on there. Oh, is he on The Daily Show? Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I watched The Daily Show. Well, I say, I don't really watch yeah. The Daily Show. So, yeah, cool. Um, so my initial thought for this film is those fucking pet things at the very beginning. Oh, God. That are basically like demon Furbies. So Furbies. Well, more, they're worse than that. They're, they're like if you took a designer. A Furby, a Furby doesn't poop if you feed it too much. It kind of reminded me of what would happen if the company that made the little trolls like pencil toppers and stuff. And yes. troll, trolls dolls. Yeah. Combined with the, the makers of Furby and said, now we need to drink all the Mountain Dew. They have like giant eyes and they have teeth, which is always weird for a toy to have like like legitimate teeth. They kind of just look like they're grimacing a little. They do. And they always look like they could like they remind me of critters. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen critters, but they remind me of that. Soon. Oh fuck. Alright. You heard it here first, folks. I've made Did you make your birthday episode decision? Yes. Okay. All right. It's your birthday. We'll do what you want. <laughs> I didn't say it was critters, but critters will be soon. Okay, fair. Um, so basically this movie kicks off. Um, Katie's parents are arguing while driving to some ski lodge for a ski trip vacation and end up crashing into a snowplow and fucking dying. Mm-hmm. And so Katie ends up going to stay with her aunt even though it seems like she would have been better off being sent to her grandparents in Florida, mm-hmm. like they legitimately wanted her. Yeah. And told Gemma, like even told Gemma as much like we're, we're, we'll take her. So you don't have to disrupt your life. Cause Gemma is very much like, I find her annoying and a bit of an idiot. Um, she's very self-involved, which. If you're single with no attachments and dedicated to your job, what else would you be? Right. But here's the thing. She has an opportunity to continue living her life the way she wants and doesn't take it, but also makes no effort really to bond with Katie. Not really anyway. Hmm. And then she like, she admits to putting spyware in toys. Mm-hmm. Um, she works at a toy company, but is terrible with children. You don't have to be good with kids to make toys. Sorry, I'll cut that. It's like, and clearly neither she nor anyone on her team has ever read the Ray Bradbury short story, The Velt. Mm. Like, I just feel like, I feel like scientists and people in robotics in films don't read science fiction. And so they end up going to these places that you're like, why are you doing this? This isn't necessary. Nobody asked for this. Mm. I want to talk a little bit also about this therapist that she gets to cut to come talk to Katie This is the most judgmental therapist I have ever seen. She walks into the house and Katie's parents at this point have been dead for, we we don't know exactly how long, but it's probably like a couple weeks, a month, maybe. Yeah, because she's still got scratches healing on her face and stuff from the accident. From, From being in the accident, yeah. And the therapist is like, oh, still in your pajamas, I see. And is like, clearly not okay with that. And I'm like, her parents just died. Like... She's in her home. Let her be comfortable. Like, leave her alone. And then she is like, she tells Gemma, I want to see you and Katie interacting. And like, clearly Gemma has no idea what to do with a child and has to be like encouraged. And so when, but it's funny, I find because when Gemma's trying to tell Katie how a particular toy works, the therapist is like, why don't we let Katie lead? And then Katie doesn't really do anything. And the therapist is like, Katie, why don't you roll the ball? And I'm like, oh, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought we were going to let Katie lead. Why don't you shut the fuck up? Yeah, um, I've only got one note on the therapist. And that is, in all caps, fuck off. Yeah. Like, I could not stand her. Like, every time I saw her, 
she just brought my nerves to just mm. yeah i will say she does have some good points when it comes to Gemma allowing slash encouraging Katie to become codependent with a doll because she does kind of bring up the fact that like, and this is, this is a legitimate thing. Like when a child suffers a trauma, like losing your parents, they need to shift though that, that affection and, and that trust and stuff onto another person. Yeah. That attachment, that attachment theory. So realistically, Katie should be doing that with Gemma. But Gemma can't fucking be bothered. So she gives Katie Megan. And so instead, those attachment feelings, Katie now has them for a doll. And and at one point, Gemma's like trying to talk to Katie. And she's like, hey, can I give you, can you give me a minute? Can you just focus on me for a minute? And I'm just like, why should she? Like, you have proven she does not need you as long as she has Megan. Mm-hmm. The therapist even says, you made this doll her primary caregiver. And I'm like, yes, 100%. Absolutely. This is what I'm talking about. So what are your thoughts? Uh, let's see. Some of my thoughts. Um, uh, one of my first notes on Megan. Uh, I'm a big fan of like malicious compliance Reddit or subreddit stuff. Yes. I, I, I had my first real life instance of malicious compliance. <laughs> that uh that my dad did and it's great and i love it i love my dad so much because of it um yeah for anyone who's unfamiliar malicious compliance is basically doing what you're asked but in the most not evil way possible but like like having the having to pay a parking ticket that you don't feel like you deserved so you go there and you pay it in pennies there was one uh malicious compliance i saw from like a reddit thread where uh, it was the girl who was like wearing, oh yeah uh, yeah the Reddit stories yeah um she was she was wearing she was in her dorm and she was wearing a shirt but no bra because why the hell should she have to wear a bra in her dorm she was just walking to the to get water from the water fountain and this girl's boyfriend was over and was like hey can you wear a bra when my boyfriend's here even though he's not supposed to be there at all yeah and she was like okay and then I think she wore only a bra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah so that's malicious compliance anyway go ahead uh so yeah i said it was kind of like malicious compliance meets kid sister who, oh my god yes who was who was the spinoff of my buddy i can't believe i wanted one of those when i was a kid i, I wanted a my buddy i but i didn't get a my buddy and i said okay fine how about a teddy ruxpin i didn't get a teddy ruxpin either you got the talking fievel i got a talking fievel i will say megan was better than a talking fievel because nothing is more off-putting than getting a little bit older and throwing Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction cassette tape into Talking Fievel. Because then you get a totally different view of what Axl Rose looks and sounds like. Yeah. When it's coming out of this adorable mouse. Tiny little mouse. Well, I mean, he was, like, pretty tall. Right, but, like, it's an adorable little Jewish mouse. Fair. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff is pretty surface level. Like, nothing really dives deep. No. Um... I found it fun, but extremely predictable. Yes. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes that's fine. Yeah. Some, sometimes, you know what? There have been plenty of times where I know I need to like watch a movie for the, for the podcast or something like that. And I'll be like, you know what? I am not in a headspace for that. I just need some dumb or my, not necessarily dumb in like stupid, but like something that I do not need to like think about at all. I can just kind of let it wash over me. Uh, but I want something that's not music. Sure. Cool. Awesome. I mean, I, I love the characters of Megan. Megan was por- portrayed and performed wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the performances overall were good. Yeah. Like, I, I believed Katie had been through trauma. Yeah. I believed the, you know, when, whenever she was upset or in danger, like it made sense. Everything I saw made sense from a human character point of view and megan yeah um i feel like david kind of stole the stole the show in every scene he was in even when he was in a scene with megan ronnie chang's character oh yeah 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 and i i i am going to base that partially on the performance and partially on the fact that i i mean i don't know him personally but i what i recognize him immediately i'm like holy shit i didn't realize you're in this movie maybe i should have paid attention and actually, now thinking about it, I think he actually mentioned he was in Megan on an episode of The Daily Show. That wouldn't and, surprise me. And I just kind of 
it didn't hit me until just now as I'm saying it. So yay. But I mean, overall, it was it was fun, but it didn't really touch me in any places. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I have some I have. OK, I'm going to go ahead and get into my review because I have a lot more thoughts in my review. Um, cool. So a lot of people in the horror community really enjoy this film. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, um, particularly other horror podcasters and horror writers have given it, you know, um, three and a half or four stars on um, Letterboxd. I've seen a four and a half. Um, and a lot of people just really loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I went into this expecting more. And so maybe that's my fault. Um, I let the hype get to me. Um, so I ended up rating this 2.5 stars. I know. Um, like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of predictable and formulaic rather. I feel like if the relationship between Katie and Gemma had evolved throughout the film, that would have been, that would have worked more to the advantage because we don't really get any character development whatsoever. Um, so I feel like if maybe like there had been like some stumbling, stumbling blocks at first. So Gemma gives Megan to Katie, but then as the movie progresses, you know, Katie and Gemma's relationship evolves to where Katie needs Megan less and less. Mm. And Megan starts to see that as a threat. That would have been great. That would have been fucking awesome. Because then you could have gone off of uh, playing off of, you know, a lot of science fiction writers. Right. Main premises where Megan could have looked at, you know, well, this can't be done because I am supposed to protect her from all physical and emotional harm. If she attaches to Gemma, Gemma will ultimately die. That's going to cause Katie trauma. I am here to stop it. So I need to stop this where it is now. Or even Megan seeing like how Gemma has behaved in the past in the beginning of the relationship with Katie and being like, What's to stop her from going back to that? Mm. But that doesn't happen. We don't get that. Um, I also, and I did not find this movie scary. No. Not in any way whatsoever. And while that's not necessarily a deal breaker for me for a horror movie, combined with the other aspects that I just didn't grok with, it kind of was just like, what am I doing here? The human characters that we're supposed to dislike are so over-the-top cartoonishly evil that when Megan dispatches them, it's seen as justified. Mm -hmm. So we don't, it's not scary or like, oh my God, she's overreacting, which would be scary. Right. Uh, Example, they go to this, um, they go to this school event to, to see if maybe this school would be a good fit for Katie. And at the school event, there is a little boy who is basically like a tiny fucking psychopath. Like he calls his mom by her first name and is like, fuck you, Holly. Mm-hmm. And doesn't just do like normal, like all bullying is bad, but he doesn't do the normal kind of bullying to Katie. He like is basically like torturing her. Mm-hmm. And so when Megan reacts, we're like, yeah, that kid's a fucking psychopath, you know, get rid of him. The world doesn't need, um, it's a child, but like, he's going to grow up to be a serial killer. So, you know, so if, if he had done like normal little boy bully behaviors, like pulled Katie's hair and like pushed her and she fell down and Megan overreacts to this normal bullying by doing what she does in the film, then that would have been scary. Yeah. Sort of a rapid escalation in violence. Whereas this is, Almost kind for kind. Right, exactly. It, it's, it's, she does, she exacts the correct, um, not a correct amount. You know what I mean? An, but a, she, an appropriate level of, of response for the, the threat that he was. It's not an overreaction. Right. It's not like, the, the thing that I kind of compared it to that I think you said made sense. I had two that I compared it to. It would be like if in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the T-800, his job is to protect John Connor. It would be like if a kid stuck their foot out and tripped John Connor and he fell on the ground and like skinned his knee. And in response, the T-800 ripped off the kid's leg and beat him to death with it. Yeah. That would be scary. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you'd be like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming Right, from exactly. Anywhere. And one of the reasons I think that um, Chucky is scary in the Child's Play franchise is because his ultimate goal is to protect his future human host mm-hmm. until he can get in it. Come on, Andy. Right. So, so the things that he does to the people that he perceives as a threat to Andy, it's all over-exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Like, beating a teacher to death for being mean... Is not, that's an over exaggeration, right? You know, <laughs> nothing that over that Megan does seems like an overreaction. It feels a, like the appropriate reaction, and and because of that, every single time we see her do do a murder, do a kill, do a naughty thing, you're like, yeah, okay. Even if it's a little more escalated than the last one, you're like, yeah, but she was a complete bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, eh. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not the route I would have gone, but I didn't have to get out of bed for it. So, you know, there was there you go. it lacked subtlety mm. and uh, I felt like it all it, it lacked subtlety and finesse. I feel like it was also another instance of all the best parts of the movie being spoiled by the trailers and the marketing. Yeah, which is why I have like when you mentioned the marketing push earlier and how everyone knows knows about this movie. That's why I have a problem with that mm-hmm. is because. Uh, shit, doing the Megan dance became a TikTok trend for a couple of months. Everybody knew about it. This this dance that is during the climax of the film. Like we see Katie teaching it to her earlier, but the, the her actually doing it. Yeah, that's like the. It's last, during what, the last half minutes? an hour. Yeah. yeah, and just I don't know. There's some things that I've just seen. The whole ripping off the blade from the paper cutter. I was like, there's no, there was no resistance or anything. So it's like it wasn't even attached. And it looks like, like, it looks like a, like a curved blade, like a, it looked like a tiny sword. It doesn't even look like the blade of a paper cutter. And I'm like, how is it that this whole using a paper cutter blade as a weapon thing was done better in 1998? Mm. How is, how is it that was done better in the faculty? Cause there, at least there's some resistance. Right. Like, you can see him putting, you can see Josh Hartnett putting effort into ripping the blade off of a, because they're bolted on there. Well, usually held on with snap rings. I actually inspected the one I had in my office because after watching Megan, I'm like, how easy could this get pulled off? Yeah. And no, not easy. You'd have to like sit sit there with some tools and disassemble it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Josh Hartnett could rip it off, honestly. I, yeah, I know. That's what, but. Hell, hit hit them with the whole paper cutter. That whole base, those are usually pretty hefty. Yeah. But at the same time, you're a tiny, you're a robot with a titanium skeleton. Just rip their spine out. Like, why are you using a weapon that a human would use? To cut flesh. What? You're made of titanium. Yeah. I don't know. Just figure it out. I just, get your hands, get your hands in there. Literally, get your hands inside the person. (laughs) Play them like a puppet. Yeah. And just, (laughs) it's not. The kills aren't creative to me, and that bothers me because there was such, I feel like there was such potential mm-hmm. because when you have this, she's basically an indestructible, you know, AI robot. She is a learning AI, and the way that she dispatches of things is the same way that, like, a person would dispatch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, be a little bit more creative. Be like Vicky from Small Wonder. Did Vicky from Small Wonder ever murder anyone? No, but she knew that she could just pick up the couch and vacuum underneath it instead of having to move it around like us, you know, weak, scooty humans. Right. Like, I don't don't know. I I expect, like I said, I expected more from this film because other people in the horror community whose opinions I respect really enjoyed it. And so I went into this expecting a certain amount. I, I went into this expecting more and maybe that's on me. It's, a, I mean, our own expectations, I, I feel like, I mean, when you're looking at Skidmarink or Megan, for that matter, you know, don't let us hype up Skidmarink for you. Don't let us sour, you know, your your take on Megan, whether you've seen it or not. Just, you know, I, I feel like we can all do ourselves a service by managing our expectations, not just for films, but for things in real life. You know, whether you, you get a, a burger at a drive through and you're like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember it being. Well, because, yeah, you you remember it being a certain way. And that was then and this is now and that's different. You know, managing expectations. We do it all the time. 
Yeah. Without really even thinking about it. But then we like decide not to do it when we consume a piece of media or try a new food or, um, let's see, consuming media and food. That's pretty much all I know. Right. No, I get it. Or, or, or like, you know, get involved in a, in a new activity or sport. You're like, oh yeah, here's a good one. Um, I hate working out. I do. I, I have, I have what is now a father figure. It used to be a dad bod. Now it's a father figure. Um, and there have been plenty of times I've like gone to the gym. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. Whether it's going one time or going for like three months, nothing changed. So other than I had more pain. So I decided, okay, I guess I'll just kind of fit within this form. But my expectations for going to the gym and going for like several months was I'm going to be ripped. I mean, you hear, you hear this typically with guys all the time. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. We're going to be ripped. And they look literally no different. Now, I'm not saying exercise doesn't work. I'm saying my experience with the workouts I've done, done really nothing to make me feel more physically fit. They make me feel physically in pain. So now I've managed my expectations when it comes to working out or exercising. It's more about range of motion and things like that. And so you're saying maybe I should have managed my expectations with this a bit. Well, I just feel like we can do our own selves because you can't, you can't do this for another person. You can't, like, de-hype something and then say, all right, now let's watch it. And then they'd be like, I don't know why you said all those bad things about this. I thought it was fine, you know. I mean, maybe you could if you really like manipulating people's minds, but probably don't. Well, I, I'm not saying that you watched it wrong. Okay? No. Because I, That's not a thing, really. I, I also, well, it's typically not a thing. I mean, I also didn't rate this very high. Um I gave it three stars because I felt like it was more than ticking a ticking blah, blah, blah. I felt like it was more than ticking a box yeah. for me, and I really don't like doing half skulls. Mm. I, I and that's just I'm my fine with it. that's my own personal thing. So you're gonna you're either gonna make the three or you're gonna hit the two or you're gonna make the four. You know, so yeah. I'm just trying to draw some boundaries for me, but uh, otherwise I'm gonna be like you know one thirty eighth of a star. Yeah, or, or skull. I keep saying star. Um. And not even regarding the fact that I could just edit out my saying star. Um, but yeah, I gave it three star. <laughs> there I go again. <laughs> I, gave, I gave it three stars. I was going to let us do stars and you wanted to do skulls. And I said, okay. Because well, skulls, skulls is more us. Stars is just like stars. Okay. Um, because I felt like it was more than just ticking a box. It it was, I guess you could say on a on a micro level, it was a very big cultural touch point. What, eight months ago? Yeah, January, February. January, February. Okay, so six months ago. Um, I felt like there were definite moments within the film where I saw it shine. And I saw other moments where it looked like you're going to catch the ball and it goes right through your hands. And it was just kind of missed. Like you said, missed opportunities to really flesh things out. And honestly, I, I I feel like it is... An okay movie if you go into it with no preconceptions, no, you know, basically go in blind, never even having heard of a movie. Maybe that might help. Which I don't know. would be, which is because of the marketing push is borderline impossible. Well, you would have to be like living under, you'd have to be an agoraphobe who doesn't really watch TV or go on the internet. Fair. To have not seen anything <laughs> for this film. Fair. Um, not gonna lie, through most of the movie, I was saying, man, I wish I had a Megan. Yeah. You know, that'd be awesome. Um, I do want to, there is one other thing I want to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the people that I I follow on Letterboxd, I also follow them and occasionally interact with them on, on Twitter, is um, a horror writer, uh, B. Dolores. Mm-hmm. And they're, they made a, a, a good point mm-hmm. that I didn't even think about until I read their review. It's, it's on Letterboxd. It's very short. So they gave it three and a half stars. Mm. Uh, and their review says, uh, the unrated version, they could have done gone further with the gore. For that, I'm disappointed, but it's still a solid film. And that was when it occurred to me that we watched the unrated version. And you said. And I'm like, what did they cut? Like, what did they cut to make this PG-13? The only thing I could figure that they would have cut would be when Megan is pulling off that kid's ear maybe not not so much of the skin not so much of the and when she is shooting the neighbor in the face with the with the insect spray and like 
a two inch chunk of her cheek comes off. There's like no blood. It's just like, it's like a puzzle piece. Yeah. It's like there's a puzzle piece in her face and it just went boop. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I can't imagine they would have cut very much. Shit. Dan even found a website for me that actually will compare and tell you, like, if there's a, there's a theatrical and a director's cut, it'll tell you the differences. And it'll even, I think he said it'll even give you like timestamps and stuff. And I could have looked at that and I forgot. And now I wish I, <laughs> now I wish I could remember it. I'm going to have to ask him on Monday. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was the thing that didn't occur to me until I read, until I read B's review. And I was like, shit, they've got a good point. What the fuck? <laughs> if you're going to go gory, go gory, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm ready to, to wrap this up. I have a little bit, I have some stuff in my wrap up that is uh, a little special. Oh, okay. No, don't look at my notes. Okay. Excuse me. I was just looking at size, not Rude? words. Rude? Okay. So I have alternate entertainment. What? Yeah. Alternate entertainment. Alternate entertainment. Okay. Yes. Uh, so if you would like uh, a story about AI that is legitimately scary, okay. I highly recommend reading Ray Bradbury's The Velt. Velt, it's a V-E-L-D-T. It is one of his short stories that was originally published back in the 1950s. And it is, um, if you can't find the PDF of it online, you can, uh, it's included in the, in the Ray Bradbury collection, The Illustrated Man. Hmm. Um, so this, I had to read this in college. I think I read it in a, um, or did I read this in high school? I don't recall. I know I had to read this for school and it was one of those stories that actually stuck with me, mm. which doesn't always happen. Yeah. So it is about this family um, who live in a fully automated smart house called the Happy Life Home. Uh, that's bringing some, there's a horror movie with that in it. Uh, so basically this house, when I say it's fully automated, I mean, it cooks for you. It bathes you. It ties your shoes. It oh, does wow. literally everything for you. Uh, and the parents, George and, and uh, Lydia, are kind of starting to struggle with how the technology in their house has basically replaced them as parents. And their kids don't really listen to them because they don't really need them. And uh, one of the things that they are also struggling with is there is this room. It's, it's the nursery, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the holodeck on Star Trek, where you can make whatever you want, like any kind of scene that your kids want to play in, you can, you can make with this like holodeck type deal. Cool. But the kids seem to be fixated on this African felt where there are lions devouring something in a faraway space. And the parents can hear screams, but they don't know and the screams sound vaguely familiar, but they don't know why. And it just kind of goes on from there. Hmm. It's not a very long story. I think it's at most 10 pages, depending on what, what, how you're able to get your hands on a copy. If you like Ray Bradbury, if you like sci-fi writing, I recommend just going ahead and buying a copy of The Illustrated Man. You can read some of his other stuff too. But I have been able to find like PDFs of this story online also. So yeah, uh, Ray Bradbury's The Velt. It is a great short story. It has kind of been adapted, but never like fully. Mm -hmm. Another thing I want to recommend is a movie I discovered the other day because of TikTok. This is another movie we missed. Uh, it just, it's a to be original, which. Okay. To be originals just kind of, they're, they're very hit and miss, more miss than, than anything else. But this movie is called She Came from the Woods. And it's basically a horror comedy summer camp movie where these kids, these counselors perform a ritual to um, like, they don't think it's actually going to work, but they do it anyway to bring back like this woman who terrorized the camp years ago, but it actually works. Nice. But it's so fucking funny. I, I, I want to try and find a copy of it just to, to have, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, um, if Tubi ever would 
produce a physical copy. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome if I could like have an actual like Blu-ray of it. But I, I don't know. But yeah. Um, so yeah, alternate entertainment. Ta-da! Cool. Thank you. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, as always, you can follow us on our social media. We are on uh, Twitter. We also have a website. I'm thinking about starting our Facebook page again. Cool. Just because it seems weird not to have one. Yeah. Plus, I'll be able to, now that we're on a bi-weekly schedule, I'll be able to manage, the manage it media. better. Yeah. Before, when we were weekly, it was just a lot. Oh, um, yeah. Because, I mean, everything was on a one-week turnaround, which actually, for me, was a four-day turnaround. Yeah, basically. Um, so, yeah, I might, start our, I might start a Facebook page again for us. We'll see. Okay. But we also have a website, mm-hmm. h2horrorcast.com. There is a link to our Twitter. There's also blog posts episode links things of that nature you can send us an email there's also a link to our patreon Mm -hmm. we are patreon.com slash h2 horrorcast you can support us for as little as a dollar a month uh i am still looking at like different rewards like like actual stuff like maybe like finding someone to make me stickers or something physical that i can give to people yeah because that's kind of what you're supposed to do with patreon unless unless you do like patreon only episodes which we've never done um maybe we will at some point i don't know i don't know Mm. how i feel about that um but yeah anyway uh you can also rate and review us on things where that is an option uh itunes apple podcast google spotify yeah amazon alexa really i have no idea i just know it's one of the popular devices that people actually use us i know audible has um Mm-hmm. podcast now and i think we're on there yeah we are okay cool but yeah reading and reviewing does legitimately help uh podcasts out because it kind of it, it gets us seen. Fur- it gets us seen it gets us further up the alg- algorithm if we have more positive reviews we're more likely to be recommended to people who listen to stuff that's kind of similar to us theoretically. so theoretically uh so yeah if you haven't gotten a chance to rate and review us if you could do that that would be amazing uh so anyway that's all i have to say what about you david yeah i got nothing all right uh so until next time i'm tia and i'm still david and stay spooky friends music for this episode is save us now by shane ivers our artwork is by katherine nixon